Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, welcome to Wood Talk number 183 for May 19th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about hand tool dust collection, steam bending kiln dried wood, flattening a partial log slab, and using molding planes on curved edges. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Festool. Some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together. Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at FestoolUSA.com. All right, and I'd also like to thank a recurring donor here that signed up, Dan S. Thanks so much. We always appreciate that kind of support. Uh, You can help us out, too, if you want to. Just go to WoodTalkShow.com, look over in that left-hand column, and you'll see some links for uh, one-time donation, recurring donations, a very small amount, whatever you want to do. Uh, Less than the price of a cup of coffee, as they say. And uh, it adds up. It really does. And it helps us out. So we appreciate that. And what do you say, guy? Let's, uh, guys, let's talk about what's on the bench. Want me to go first? Okay. Can I go first? Sure. Mm, this time. I, ch- I should check with you. I mean, really, I should be more polite about this in the future. I just kind of I jump in there sometimes. I should ask permission at least. Wait, who is this speaking? No, oh, I've, I've, I've had a little bit of a, it was a strange weekend and I'm a, kind of a different person. Uh, uh, when you're in the Des Moines area, here you do become a lot politer. That's right. So, it must so, be- much, so much nicer <laughs> after, after visiting the Midwest. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, well, speaking of the Midwest, I went to Weekend with Wood, which is kind of funny because, Matt, you went last year. Nobody else went. This year, I went. Neither of you went. So, Shannon, you're up next. I'm up. Yeah, I did <laughs> hear that. That was Yeah, it's on the schedule. They just send it out maybe 2016. Yeah. There's a possibility I could return, but they're still not quite sure. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, Matt, you described the event pretty well last year, so I, I won't go into all of it again. But uh, I kind of knew what to expect. The whole thing takes place at the parent company, Meredith's uh, corporate headquarters, basically. So it is all within this office space and there's a lot of different rooms. You got to kind of move around and walk through this door and go that way. And this is downstairs. And my sessions were all in the basement where I belong. 
apparently. <laughs> was it at least a little bit cooler this year? They had a little problem with the air conditioning last year, so it was fans everywhere. Well, it was pretty, yeah, there were a couple of fans, but it was actually very, you know, I don't know seasonably if this is a cooler time of year than it usually is, but it was it was pretty That's cool. True. It was jacket weather for the most part. Um, so down in the basement, is actually kind of uh, warm and toasty and very comfortable. So uh, yeah, so my sessions went pretty well. I didn't have much time to go to other sessions because I was busy taking tours of the facilities. <laughs> and wow, I mean, a lot of times when we think about these magazines, we talk about them as if, you know, they're just Wood Magazine or Pop Wood Magazine. We don't really think about the fact that they're actually part of a much, much bigger parent company who is really pulling the strings you know, so we think about like the personalities of these magazines and if they do something wrong or we think they should change, you know, we just assume, well, look, why aren't they just responding to market forces? Like everybody's interested in this. Why don't they talk about that? Well, things don't work that way when you've got a really big company and it's very obvious when you go there and you realize that wood is just this one small little portion of a massive behemoth company. You know? Yeah, yes, very much so. Especially when you're like walking down, like probably during the tour, you did like the uh, walked on the hallway where there's like all the magazine covers and you're like, yeah. I pass by every one of these magazines, uh, either at the bookstore or while I'm trying to check out in the grocery it's store. Like, it's like half of the periodicals rack at the, <laughs> the bookstore. I mean, uh, they really have a lot of publications and wood is just one of them, you know, and it's, it's fairly small compared to like better homes and gardens. And uh, so I took this tour and this place is massive. I mean, they've got things that look like movie sets and stages and like all these faux walls that they kind of move in and out for different, uh, setting up different images that they have to take. Um, and I wrote a, a little article on it on the Wood Whisperer. So if you want to get a little more information about the whole thing and, and how my experience went, uh, you can get that there. Uh, pretty cool stuff. I'll put a link in there for you guys. Um, the other thing I did while I was there, because someone says you, you can't go to Iowa without going to the Woodsmith store. And if you're not familiar, that is the, you might know the Woodsmith uh, show, uh, the Woodsmith shop, which is a PBS program that uh, a lot of people are familiar with. Well, they also have a store in Iowa and it is amazing. Uh, I have to say, this is probably the most impressive woodworking store I've ever been to. And I've been to quite a few. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Previously, yeah. Woodworks in Ohio was my previous favorite and they're still good. Uh, I haven't been there. I haven't been there in a few years, but uh, just by memory. Uh, But the Woodsmith store, right? You walk in, uh, and because they have other properties that they're trying to serve here, they've got like cooking things and food and also barbecues. So I'm I'm walking down. Yeah, I'm walking down the aisle, and there's like power tools on my left and barbecue sauce and grills on my right. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is my people. This is the Spagnolo aisle. <laughs> yes. This was custom made for me. If you had a video game section, I would just, I would pass out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they've got this great little viewing room. Like think of the, those like high scale home theater stores where they have a place where you could listen to the speakers and, and watch some sample video. Um, they've got that only it's just two comfy chairs and the woodsmith shop running on the TV, just this little isolated room. Nice. <laughs> so I had my coffee. Uh, Nicole was over on the other side looking at something else. And I'm like, this is sweet. This place is just great. So yeah, it's really yeah, when I was there, that was one of the things is there was always the conversation during the meals. And they're like, so uh, don't tell the guys, but we're going to get a group together. We're heading over to the, uh, the, the store. Do you want, are you in? I'm like, I'll cover for you guys. I don't think I should head over there, though. Well, you feel bad because it's like they're associated with August Home Publishing, which is the company that publishes Woodsmith, which technically is a competitor for Wood Magazine. So you feel bad cheating on Wood to go see the Woodsmith store. <laughs> <you know? That's right. laughs> but I'm like, screw that. I'm going there. This place is awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I did hear that since they're so close to each other, they have a very amicable neighbor 
uh, neighborhood going on there, like a, na- a neighborhood rivalry. So yeah, I don't good. think anybody's going to be uh, chiseled to death yet, but I'm sure <laughs> if enough people keep, you know, like showing up at Meredith and going, hey, am I close to the woodshop place or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, either way, ultimately, great weekend. Had a lot of fun. I got to hang out with uh, Steve from Your Mortals. Um, probably more than he was comfortable with. I kept taking. <laughs> he did pic- look a little uncomfortable in a couple of the pictures. I, like, well, okay, I kept taking. Enough. I kept taking pictures of him and trying to come up with phrases that were like something for mere mortals. So it was like eating for mere mortals and walking for mere mortals and then going to the bathroom for mere mortals. But yeah, <laughs> you, you know, he, like that. He wanted to draw the line at a certain point. What's and his I'm like, problem? Steve, lighten up, dude. Just lighten up. Come on. <laughs> um, the camera's yeah. not going over the top of the uh, little divider. You're okay. <laughs> Oh, it was awesome. That was a good time. And if you have a chance, uh, this is definitely a smaller event than like woodworking in America that we tend to, to go to every year. Um, but that, that, that size difference makes it a little bit more intimate and you can really get to talk to the instructors. You have a chance, uh, definitely have a lot of chances to have your questions answered and not just that, but to, to take some time after the fact and have a nice conversation with the instructor. I mean, you could do that at Woodworking in America, too, but you've got a lot more competition from people who want to talk to Christian Wars <laughs> before you do. Um, you know, it's a little bit harder, still possible, but this is definitely a little more intimate. So a uh, lot of fun there, and, and you should definitely look into it. It's uh, weekendwithwood.com is the website, and you'll have to wait till next year, uh, probably quite some time before you get information on next year's uh, convention. But if you get a chance, definitely go. Now, your classes, uh-huh. did they have to bring in extra chairs for them or would you say it was like uh, evenly did. filled? Did anybody get up and leave and like throw stuff down and like, I can't believe I paid for that? Well, when I got there, there was a construction crew because they had to remove the back wall and extend it back further to make room for all the people. Uh, but I was other- wondering if that was going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> just the thing that happens. Did you <laughs> provide plastic sheeting for the first row? <laughs> That's right. I've got my giant hammer. I uh, sometimes squash <laughs> cans of finish. It's just, a uh, you know collateral damage when you come to one of my sessions uh all right well shannon what about you uh well i am uh prepping putting together some work i'm doing a webinar with popular woodworking next next week so i heard in my inbox five times (laughs) yeah right seriously (laughs) (laughs) only one of them was from me probably (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh it's something that popular woodworking is kind of revamping their popular woodworking university um, they've got some new software, new website. It's all part of that shop class on demand thing. Yeah. So they've, they've got a lot of ambition. And in fact, I spent a uh, lunch on the phone with them today doing a, a dry run of this webinar and they definitely have a lot of ideas. So I'm really curious to see if they can make them happen. Um, cool. some of the, some of it is, is a situation where you wonder if we have the technology yet to, to do some of what they want to do, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see, a print publisher investing so heavily in digital. Mm-hmm. So I think that bodes well. But yeah, it's a it's a webinar about um, about wood. Go figure. Uh, but not about identifying wood, but more about understanding. When I look at a spec a spec chart of a species, how can I tell how that wood is going to work by looking at a few uh, a few uh, key points? So we're not going to be pulling out hand lenses and trying to identify random species. I I would never do that. But uh, I, I think it should be really helpful. I did a hand tool school lesson on this about a year ago, and it was received very, very well. So I'm taking it to the big time, if you will. Nice. And then uh, as far as in my shop, I actually just put up a, a wall <laughs> on, on one, um, one side of the shop, covered up the cinder block with uh, the stud work. I haven't sheathed it yet, but um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, you talk about like 
no precision required. <laughs> no accuracy woodworking. It's just awesome. You know, put together a stud wall. Yeah, that looks like about right. You know, lop that thing off, hammer it together, and stick it up on the wall. It was just I really enjoyed that construction side of things, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, right now I have bare studs on one wall. And uh yeah, look out, ladies. Are you <laughs> are you concerned about the like in a smaller shop, I know I would be sort of greedy about every available inch. So are are you concerned about just the few inches that you might lose with this process of uh you know what what do you have up there? Just furring strips or two buys or No, I'm I'm doing two buys and I'm doing them on their you know, as you would normally build a wall. So okay. the long dimension is coming out from the wall. So then you're so, losing quite a bit. Yeah, I'm losing three and a half inches. Well, okay. it'll be four inches by the time I put the sheeting over top of it. And I, I did I did think about that. I mm-hmm. was really concerned at first and I thought about going to furring strips. But I, I cleared everything away from the wall and realized how much crap I had let pile up against that wall. Yeah. And I was already living with about three feet less space. Okay. From just stuff piled over there. That wall will eventually, it's not going to have anything on the floor. There's going to be, you know, my tool cabinet will hang on the wall and a couple of wall hanging things, but nothing on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how much room I have yeah. now that, that everything's cleared away from that wall, which is another interesting construction thing in a small shop. I can't actually like build the whole wall at once. I had to split it in half. Um, either side of my post drill was a good place to to do it, but I I don't have the space. I move everything over to one side of the shop and there's no space to actually do anything. So I actually mm-hmm. assemble the wall and, and hammer the wall, the stud part together out in the driveway and then kind of carted it in. And, you know, I had to move three things out of the way just to be able to put the wall in place. So I've just decided to, to build it, you know, one half and another half and move, move all the junk over to the other side. I just put up the wall. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, it definitely could benefit from like me taking a week off and like moving everything into the driveway and putting a guard dog on it which means i'd have to go get a, a more useful dog than what i have now well alex um, would be like come on you can you, yeah, let, let, me much. Sh- let me show you where he keeps the good sauce you know? <laughs> so it, it's definitely awesome. more difficult renovating a shop an existing shop when especially considering i can't quite give up the shop because i've got a couple of projects that are underway um a couple mm-hmm. videos and things that are probably not going to come out on time because <laughs> I, i've still got to finish them and now i have to clear a bunch of stuff off of the bench in order to get back to it but um i'm excited to finally be doing something i've been planning this renovation for so long um and just one thing after another has gotten in the way so well those are the hardest ones because everything like you said everything wants to come to a standstill and that's hard you know when you've got obligations it's really tricky to do <laughs> so right. but it sounds like we'll you're getting see a, if a year from now if they're still exposed studs yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, it sounds like overall, though, a net gain, you know, in, in space, even though you're losing a few inches because everything's now more organized and sort of master yeah. planned. The spring cleaning was was quite beneficial. Yeah. There's some weird stuff <laughs> in the corners and in the drawers in my shop. <laughs> nice. Well, very cool. Matt, what about you? Uh, well, really, this weekend, I, I didn't do much of anything. Well, I should take that back. I, I did a lot of stuff and uh, easily 99.9% of it had nothing to do with woodworking unless you consider carrying logs to a big bonfire <laughs> as woodworking. Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. So it was it was definitely a chance to get away. Our friends have uh, their cabin and we plan on spending as much time there as possible. So it was one of those, well, if I come up and help you set it up for the warmer weather, maybe do a little yard work, stuff like that. Can we stay, please? <laughs> so 
Nice. I think we're we're set up for Memorial Day. I think I, I did enough work and they haven't found the damage yet that I'm aware of. There's yeah. been no phone calls or anything. Uh, so we're, we're good for the Memorial Day weekend. I sh- actually, I should take that back. One thing we did do is uh, the guys up there are a little obsessed with uh, sharp instruments that you can throw. So we're talking tomahawks, <laughs> uh, nice. throwing knives. I did hear a rumor there might be some stars coming out soon. Not really sure. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. And, the, and, and the funny thing is they, they – brought a one guy happens to own a, a really a really nice bar in the area and he has a, a bunch of dart boards that he just wasn't going to be using anymore they just didn't fit into the the scheme of what he's doing so he brought those up and so we are trying to set up like multiple dart boards on a single board and we want to have them outside and we want to be able to just remove them in case you know we're gone for the week or something like that so i did come up with a multiple dart board so that when you're throwing the knives, you'll hit a dartboard potentially, <laughs> hopefully, uh, or somebody preferably not behind it, maybe the tree behind it. So I had to come up with a way to rig those onto a board and then have the board easily come on and off. So I did like those keyhole holes, you know, the the type of thing mm-hmm. like usually on the back of a picture frame or like one of those floating shelves. Sure. So kind of big hole, little hole kind of a thing. But I didn't have a router or anything anything like that. So thankfully, I went out to the garage, found some old rusty drill bits that still kind of ripped into the wood and was able to kind of dig out a little bit on the backside. They're not pretty at all, but when I got them onto the lag bolts, holy living daylights, they worked. That is some fine woodworking right there. I know. That's why I said the same thing. And then we had a conversation kind of like when Shannon was talking there about getting his uh, stud walls up. They're like, so you do a lot of carpentry? I'm like, no, I'm a woodworker. <laughs> well, can you explain the difference? I'm like, uh, carpentry, let's see. Uh, if you have a half-inch gap, you're pretty satisfied. Uh, woodworking, <laughs> you get that 64th of an inch, and you're like, uh, oh, no. No, no, I got to restart the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'll, and I'll tell you what, the construction guys have a whole different uh, perception of, of speed as well. I mean, watching my shop go together made me realize that I'd last for about five seconds on that job site before those guys <laughs> kick my butt and uh, say, get the heck out of here. You know, you have no idea what you're doing here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, when they use a speed square, it actually is supposed to be speedy. When I use a speed <laughs> square, I spend half the time trying to figure out if I shim it, will I get a more accurate result? Well, well you're there with your engineer square, making sure that your speed square is actually square. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, so you did see that picture. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. that sounds that's, good. That's kind of how that wall went together too. Cause the, the ceiling in my shop is actually sloped. Um, right. So it's, it's what narrow or shorter at the back of the shop than it is at the front by the garage door. So yeah, I was like individually sizing the studs and I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> oh man. Now I got to do math. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into what's new. Got a couple of things to share with y'all. That's going around. Uh, first thing is from Ray. Actually, I heard Nicole listening to this. It's a news story, and uh, I was just kind of overheard it, and then this wound up in her inbox as well. So thanks for sending this in, Ray. Uh, it's a really good story, and Ray says about a woodworker doing something really awesome for someone. And you have to look at it. It's a news story about a family that had a very unfortunate uh, situation with a stillborn child, and they just had everything that's left over. I mean, you prepare for this stuff, you buy a crib, you get the, the, the room ready. And you know how it is with families these days, everybody's buying you stuff that you're going to need for this baby. And and sadly, you know, the baby passed away and they're left with this crib. And so long story short, the woman sells it at a yard sale after, you know, reluctantly she sells it. And the guy who buys it is someone who he, he buys old furniture and turns them like sort of recycles it and upcycles it into benches. And in this case, he found out the story 
and just out of the kindness of his heart, remade this thing into a usable bench and gave it back to the family. And uh, it's it's super touching, heartwarming, tear-jerking kind of uh, situation. Um, but definitely take a look at it. It's just a great example of how you know this little thing that we do as as a hobby. Some of us do it professionally, but you know we can do amazing things with it that mean something to other people besides just building great furniture. Um, it's great to have that skill and the ability to do it, and so cool uh, that that we're able to have the story about this and share this with people. So uh, we'll put we'll put the link in there. Um, you're you're inhuman if you don't at least get a tear in your eye from watching this thing. It's pretty deep. Nice. Well, Bob sent in uh, what a link, an article from Penn State University about air drying of wood, mm-hmm. and uh, it gives a really good explanation of uh, e- equilibrium moisture content. And I actually emailed Bob because it was, it was really good timing because I was writing an article on EMC when this came in and ended up using this as a resource. So nice. if you've been to my site at all, uh, there was a, an article posted on Friday about wood movement. And I actually linked to this article in there as well. But this is really good. If for nothing, then the article, the, the Penn State article, but there's also a link to a Forest Products PDF at the bottom of this article that has all of the people who've sent in questions about air drying wood and how do I stack it and sticker it. Read this because I am now going to delete your questions in our show notes <laughs> because <laughs> this answers it better than I ever could. So if you have air drying or how do I stack my lumber, what do I do with this log, this is it. Wood Talk number 183, all your answers are in this link. We will I'm always, not uh, always have really to refer back to this. Very, very good PDF and a great article from Penn State. So thank you, Bob, for, for finding that. Uh, my article would not have sparkled had it not been for you. Very oh. nice. Shannon Sparkles. Mm. Oh, there's there's the show title. All right, uh, let's move on to our poll of the week. Tom Ivino wrote a good one this week. You know, sometimes they're not great, but uh, what? Not Tom. <laughs> I would never say such a thing <laughs> about my buddy Tom. Uh, no, this one's fantastic. How do you deal with wide boards? And what he means is, if you are lucky enough to have some wide boards. Do you cut them down? You know, how do you process them for a project? Um, 60% say that they would use it as is, which is kind of good to hear. Um, hopefully they know what to do. You either got to, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can deal with it, but you got to get pretty clever on uh, flattening those things if they're really wide, uh, unless you're really good with your hand planes. And uh, let's see, 21% said, I can't ever find wood that wide. 16% said that the, they would rip it into narrow strips and then glue it back together, I guess, in, in hopes of making it more stable. And uh, almost 3% said I would never work with such a wide board. So let me ask you guys, you get this beautiful, just absolutely awesome, I don't know, 16-inch wide board, happens to be about the width you're looking for, for, I don't know, a hall table or a coffee table or something. Um, would you cut it down? I, I, we might have talked about this before, if I'm not mistaken. Don't we all unanimously agree that we would not cut that board down? That's where yep. I was going. Yeah. I think we may I'd take it and once. hide it before someone at the lumber yard cuts it down to sell to a customer in strips. <laughs> what is this board do doing under the lunch table? What is going on with this? <laughs> Shannon? Uh, yeah, I think ultimately I would want to, I would rather take my, my chances. You know, sometimes, of course, those wider boards can be a little bit unstable and, and have a tendency to cup. Uh, but I, I would take my chances. I just think they look fantastic as if we don't get wood that much anymore. So you got to celebrate it when you get it, cutting it up into strips and alternating the end grain and all that crap. I I don't know that I would do it. Uh, Maybe if the board moved on me later and I take the top off, take it back in the shop and fix it. Um, but shoot right out of the gate, I just give it a shot. 
Yeah, I mean, I have a a, a board that I used in the a trestle table that we use for our dining room, and mm. every time I look at that, I'm like, I just wish I would have ignored the advice like I do all the other advice and just kept it <laughs> one wide board yeah. because why it's did just, I have to listen this time? Exactly. That's that's exactly it. That's there are so many things in that table that I'm like, the one time I actually follow the quote unquote rules. I'm miserable because there's just the green just doesn't match exactly the right way. And it just, oh, it would have looked so much cooler. Yeah. You should just veneer it now. I think I'm going to. That's a good idea. (laughs) I like that. All right. Let's move into our kickback. This is where you guys tell us something or give us some feedback on things that we said or maybe bring our attention to something and uh, show off your knowledge, which is always good. Let's see. We got a couple of them here. Let's do the first one from Robert. He says, I found your discussion. Actually, the first two were about our last topic on kind of the overabundance of information online and whether or not that gets in the way of your ability to actually cut wood and get things done in the shop. He says, I found your discussion of excessive woodworking content available to be very interesting as I'm shifting from beginner to whatever the next. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Next phase is... Uh, whatever it's labeled, and I do find myself tuning out certain bits of information. I first subscribed to every magazine I could find, and now I'm letting some of those subscriptions lapse as I find I don't need as much... Hold on, i got to move my cursor. <laughs> it was right over a letter, and I like, couldn't figure out what the letter was. I don't need as much coming at me uh, and also see some overlap in information. Same said about buying books and DVDs. I developed quite a library fast and now more selective. I'm spending more time and getting advice. Thanks, Mark, for uh, um, before purchasing specific publications. That said, I'll tell you, I'm addicted to the information flow. I don't have the shop time for trial and error. Any edge I can gain before cutting into my lumber, I'll take it. Uh, I waste less time and lumber that way. I enjoy the outcome more and seem to be able to advance much quicker. The other part of my problem is apparent ADD. I can't seem to focus on just one thing. Today, I ordered some bowl gouges for the bowl turning stock that I have already received. Yeah, cart before the horse. My project list isn't anywhere near completed, so let's just add more. Uh, That is where all this information comes in. While at work or on the road, I can enhance my abilities through this information and keep the information coming. Uh, As in my professional career, you you soon learn to filter out what's useful and what's not. There you go. Excellent. Sweet. Well, you know, kind of following the line. Digital woodworking. Digital woodworking. What's that? Sketch. It's it's the fault of lack of productivity in the American workforce. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) because they're all sitting there reading blogs and. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, hey, well, you know, Mike's in a, a kickback, and, and it's kind of following along the lines of what Robert said. And he says, I think one thing you missed on your discussion of consuming content versus actually working in the shop is that aspiring woodworkers have a strong perfectionist streak. As noobs, we're afraid of buying the wrong tool, wasting a piece of wood, or ruining an assembled piece by screwing up the finish. You three and your different approaches and the books, magazines, and videos available help me in my journey by getting me over that fear of mistakes. For many, the information gathering can lead to paralysis by analysis. But for me, it was critical to build confidence through gathering information. A year of watching the Wood Whisperer episodes gave me a good idea of what I wanted in a power shop and how to use those tools. Shannon's transition to hand, hand tool specialist helped me see a different approach to the craft in action rather than in magazine pictures. And Matt's everyman approach made me feel like I can even do it. And then he goes on to say, it's not a dig at Matt's skills, but rather a compliment of the approachability he projects. I, approach, I project a lot of things. I don't know if approachability is one of them. A wonderful uh, smell is one. Like. That is definitely one. Yes. Woo-wee. So <laughs> thank goodness you guys are on that side of the microphone. Uh, but anyways, Mike Wan goes on to say that along with major magazines, Taunt and Press, everything Schwarz and what I can get from TV, I had what I needed to jump into the craft with confidence instead of trepidation. And I can't believe I said trepidation. Holy cats. Look at you. I, I was going to wow. trip on that one. Nice. Well, good stuff. Very good. Well, let's see. Brian has to say that listening to last week's poll about how many people build projects out of magazines made him wonder if the reason people don't build a lot of projects out of those magazines is because the magazines overcomplicate the project. Interesting. Hmm. For example, every year or two, Fine Woodworking has an article about how to cut a dovetail. It seems each year they try to add more steps over the last article trying to make a better mousetrap. They take, a, they take a task that to many woodworkers is a daunting task, overcomplicate it, and make it even more of a daunting task. After reading Fine Woodworking, I have to go watch uh, Roy Underhill scribe a line, pull out his handsaw, cut the joint to reassure myself that the simple technique is okay to use. I would be interested in a poll of the week asking how many people build a project from their favorite woodworking TV show. Hmm. There you go, Tom. <laughs> yeah, get it, get it going. How yep, many are there? Though topic is all set for you. Aren't there only like really two? I was gonna say I have to find a woodworking <laughs> show first, seeing yeah. as PBS in Maryland abhors woodworking. Yeah, same in Phoenix. It's uh, slim pickings these days on TV. Uh, okay, last one here is from Bradley. He says in episode 182, you were talking about drilling small holes straight into a board for threaded inserts, and in fact, I think Matt said that you have to have things square, and I think he, he said that like ten times. If I remember Something correctly. like that. I, I, square, off-center, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, I found that small drill bits tend to walk when drilling, leaving a less than desirable result. I've gotten better results if I chuck the bit, leaving about a quarter of an inch or less exposed to start the hole. I then have enough to support enough support with the hole started to extend the bit and then finish drilling to the correct depth. Pretty cool. Interesting Good idea. Good point. Good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's kind of simulating what a lot of times I'll make a little block, drill the, the hole in it, and use that to kind of support the bit as I go through. But uh, I like that idea. It saves you some time. Yeah, it does. Cool beans. All right, we got a voicemail here. And this one is about air-dried lumber. Let's see. Oh, where is it? Okay, bending air-dried lumber. No, bending kiln. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Good evening, Shannon, Matt, and Mark. This is Mike from the barren northern wastelands of Minnesota. In several previous shows, Shannon has declared the infinite superiority of kiln-dried lumber over the bug-infested anathema that is air-dried lumber. Even though I've often heard air-dried lumber works better with hand tools, Shannon's points were all well taken. 
I have sketched some, some designs that would require steam-bent pieces. And although air-dried lumber is a better choice for this application, market forces and limited space preclude me from obtaining it. Is it possible to bend kiln-dried lumber? If so, what functional limitations beyond those of air-dried lumber does it have? Thank you for your time. You produce a delightful show. Delightful. That's very nice. Thank you for the voicemail, Mike. And I have a couple of links here that I found just digging around. There's a Rockler article that was written on steam bending. Uh, and I found just a, it looks like a boat building website where someone has a little article that they wrote up on steam bending as well. And I've got an excerpt from a book that I could read. And I just wanted to see if anybody has any firsthand experience or particular opinion on this before I read from Wood Bending Made Simple, uh, which is a Taunton release. Hey, I have that book. It's good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I should find. I can tell you, the the Windsor World. Um, when I was down at uh, Roy's school building a continuous arm, there were a few examples shown of what happens when you try to steam bend kiln dried lumber. Yeah, and there's a lot of folks who would say, I, I'm not going to say it's not possible. It is certainly possible. I think Michael Fortune's done it before, um, but the bend you need to steam it longer. But there's also this. Um, diminishing returns once you steam it so long sometimes you can actually um cause structural integrity issues you know it turns into pulp and then it's not good Mm -hmm. um but while you bend it you have to provide absolute support around the entire end and that's where i've seen michael fortune use a steel band so that's supporting the entire arc um because that that wood is is baked and the cell walls are harder um i keep using that tortilla metaphor when you put the tortilla on the oven rack it turns hard and it snaps when you try to bend it um it's it's it is possible but most people who do any kind of steam bending for a longer long enough period of time won't touch it because it's just too unpredictable um and you put all that work into shaping and bend it and it snaps whereas you go and get air dried stuff and you're you're better off i think if you're going to kiln dry something it probably should go to a bent lamb um process right so this sounds to me like one of those situations where you should just know how to pick your battle and 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 go with that instead potentially but listen listen to this from uh lon schlining is that how he pronounces that it's not the way i do but you're probably pronouncing it better schlining wood bending made simple it's a fairly recent release actually i'll put a link if anybody wants to pick it up and i recommend you do because i'm going to read here verbatim from a portion uh which uh i don't know is that is that legal am i okay Uh, i think as long as you acknowledge who it is where it's coming from we're somewhat covered yeah and if you're even remotely interested in this stuff this is just a portion of a great uh, little excerpt here Uh, he says many otherwise reliable sources on bending are adamant that moisture content must be higher than a normal 7 to 10 percent to bend successfully using steam heat they sincerely believe that you have to use uncured or green wood or at the very least wood that's been air dried to some higher than normal moisture content these are often the same sources that suggest you must soak wood to bend it or at that moisture content must be at some level or that the moisture constant oh god this is great or at the moisture constant 
must be at some level or other to make certain bends. Uh, they say that you're wasting your time trying to bend kiln dried wood because it's case hardened or too dry for bending. These beliefs are inaccurate. Even kiln dried wood steam bends very well at 7% to 10% moisture content. The bottom line with bending wood using steam heat is that you can use whatever wood you have available. With the right setup, you can bend wood regardless of moisture content and whether or not the wood is green or has been soaked or air dried. What is important is that you get the wood to a moisture content of 7 to 10% before you try to build furniture out of it. Mm. So that's the way Mr. Schleining feels about it. Yeah. Well, and, and I've got customers that bend, you know, in professional huge production shops that bend dry. You know, it's just a matter of putting it in a press. Right. And But again, it's that complete support throughout the entire bend. So basically they're taking a form and the negative of that form, sticking the board in it and dropping a hydraulic press on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a, a chair builder, um, one of our customers, basically making uh, chair seats that were probably 18 inches wide. And then take an eight-quarter piece of hard maple, stick it in this press, flip a switch, and it goes down and it, it bends it for you. And you just it does not seem like that's possible. So there you go. It is possible. Wow. <laughs> cool stuff. Uh let's see. What are we doing next? Are we on the emails now? I think we are. Yes. yes. We are. Uh let's do yeah, this. Voicemail, email. It kind of doesn't go alphabetical, but it works. Right. Uh Shannon, I know you're pressed for time. So if you want, take your email first, and then if you need to leave, you could leave. Okay. How's that? So I'm being kicked off. <laughs> yes, Shannon, we're sorry about that advice you just gave. <laughs> you crossed the line. Apparently that was wrong. Lon disagrees and uh, goodbye. Okay, goodbye. You know, it, it is interesting though. I, I do have to say it was interesting that the perception, I can't remember the guy that left that voicemail. Was it Mike? Yes, Something Mike. like that. Mike. His perception was that um, I do not like air-dried lumber and it's actually just the opposite <laughs> i really like air-dried lumber as a hand tool guy it works so much easier than kiln dried it's just not easy to get and to be certain that you're getting something that's not infested so right. i love it if you can get it and you can be confident about it go for it anyway okay um so this is an email from aaron he says i have a router and um but i'm learning to love the hand tools I'm learning to love the hand tools as well. I have purchased a few molding planes that I need to play with still, but I was thinking, how do you make a molding on a curved section? Well, the molding planes you just bought are useless. So you can now put them away and don't need to play with them because obviously a molding, a plane itself works in a straight line or, you know, pretty close to a straight line. So how you make a molding on a curved section could be done a couple of ways. You could do it with a rasp. Um, I actually have a video up on my site now where I, I use rasp to create a um, OG, not an OG, but a, um, an elliptical curve on the underside of a tabletop. The rasps can take it from rough all the way up to finish ready. Or you can use carving gouges to rough in the shape and then follow it up with a scratch stock. And uh, that's generally what I do, no matter whether I'm using rasps or not. I'll finish up with some sort of scratch stock because you can kind of unify the surface and kind of get the um, the scratch pattern, if you will, all the same, reflecting the same way. So when you put finish on it, you don't see the the different tool marks. Mm-hmm. That's the the really the I don't know. I'm sure it's not the only way, but it seems like every technique I see using hand tools and shaping curved profiles ends up with some sort of scratch stock. Because you can kind of unify it all together. There you go. Cool. Just that easy. It sounds wow. good. Good That's to know. It's very uncomplicated. <laughs> I know. So unlike me. For a change. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next email we have here is from Joe. 
He says, as someone uh, who was primarily a power tool user, I started incorporating hand tools into my process a lot more. I found that I actually enjoy working with them quite a bit and started reaching for them in reference uh, to their corded brethren. Uh, one thing I'm struggling with is the mess. I'm kind of meticulous about dust and chip collection on my power tools. And uh, while I enjoy working with hand tools, the mess is everywhere and it bothers me. I'd like to hear how others handle this. Do you just accept the mess, push it out of the way until you're ready to clean up? Any best practices to keep the stuff contained? Does Lee Nielsen make four-inch dust ports yet? I love that. <laughs> I think if you put it in the uh, suggestion box, they may consider it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, and I mean this in the kindest way, Joe, because I, I do things like this as well. Um, this is in the category of problems that aren't problems. <laughs> right. You know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's fine. And I think I get meticulous about dust and things like that, too. Uh, but ultimately, it's just not an issue. Most of the waste that you're making with your hand tools falls uh, nicely to the floor and is very cushiony to walk on. And unless it's like a hazard, you know, maybe it's on a floor that's got a slick finish on it. So it becomes uh, slippery. It's really not an issue. And hopefully you have some, some pads for your, your feet anyway. So they just fall onto padded surface and it doesn't really pose anything other than sort of the inconvenience uh, or, or maybe just the eyesore that's, that's bothering you. Uh, but really I think, you know, our shops aren't necessarily meant to be like a medical facility. Uh, if there's wood dust and especially the stuff that comes from hand tools, uh, tends to be larger pieces of dust, larger chips and, and, and long stringy things. You know, it's not quite the same type of dust you would get if you ran a sander without dust collection. Um, so honestly, for me, that stuff doesn't bother me. I leave it there until it's time to clean. If I know I'm going to be making more tomorrow, I'm not going to clean it up. I'm just going to leave it where it is. So if it is something that bugs you, what I'd recommend doing is get your, get yourself one of those wide push brooms uh, that you could very easily just kind of in a couple sweeps, push it to the side, put it up against the wall. Uh, and then when you're actually ready to do a full cleaning, go ahead and just, uh, you know, get a broom and a little dust pan and put it in the garbage. Um, but I really wouldn't think about it that much uh, because it's just it's a nice problem to have. Frankly, yeah, I would right. love to have all of my my cleanups be something along the lines of that big shavings and big chips and stuff like that versus coming in with a uh, a fine vacuum and trying to get all the uh, fine dust out of the way. You know, that raises a good point, though, if because you yeah, know he's making a joke saying do they make four inch dust ports. But if his shop vac is a collector of some sort, mm-hmm. those shavings can clog up. Because you've got that little grate on the on the input part to prevent you from like sucking things into the sure. impeller blade, um, and those shavings will will wrap around that and clog <laughs> up really really quickly. Yeah. So my one and a half horse dust collector is my shop vac now. I got rid of the shop vac because I didn't need it. I wasn't really using the dust collector for much. So I actually cut out that grate um, to so I could keep sucking up shavings, but it does mean that I've got to be a little meticulous because the little, like, um, cut out the pins when you're cutting dovetails and those little chunks (laughs) fall out. They make a really big, bad noise (laughs) when they go into the (laughs) dust collector. So I've gotten in the habit of using that push room, like Mark said, and kind of sweeping up and, you know, in a dustpan into the trash can and then using the shop vac to clean up the, you know, the little stuff left over after that. So it is something to be aware of. My dust collector like stopped working. It's like, why can I get no suction on this? And it's because it was completely clogged up with big joiner plane shavings. <laughs> nice. Cool. Sweet. Well, hey, we have a question from Josh and he has, he says, I have a slab of apple wood and it was the topmost slab taken off the tree. So the backside was the outside of the tree and the shape is kind of 
half round and tapers to around three quarters of an inch at the ends. And I believe the thickest part is approximately three inches from what he was describing in his email. Now, he says, I assume I'll I'll need to remove the bark, but I've designed a hall table around the shape and want to leave as much of the live bottom as possible. However, I'm not sure how to go about flattening a slab that rocks back and forth along the length and width. I've not been able to get any uh, get enough clamping pressure to hold it steady on my bench for hand planing, and it's wider than my six-inch joiner if I tried flipping it top down. Any ideas? In a nutshell, Josh, the big thing is you, you need to come up with some sort of uh, shims or wedges, some sort of sled or something in which you can kind of lock this in position. So if you're going to say use, if you have a thickness planer, you could kind of do that. You set up a little uh, a planer sled and again, kind of lock it in place with the wedges. If you still want to go the route of the hand plane on the workbench, I would pretty much do the same exact thing. I would just kind of wedge these things in place. And because you said you've already designed the the hall table around the shape of this, perhaps the contact points for where you're going to attach it to the rest of the table, maybe that's where you could physically use some sort of mechanical fastener to uh, connect the wedges to it and then attach that to your workbench so that it stays in position and kind of go from there. One other thing I thought of was uh, if anybody remembers way back when, when Mark talked about how he flattened his workbench for the very first time using a router uh, jig that he set up, perhaps again, if you can wedge this in place and get it nice and, and solid so it's not going all over the place, you could come in and maybe even use your router for this. But I think the key to all of these possible scenarios is finding the right way to kind of wedge this in and get it locked in position. And to be quite honest with you, it's, it wouldn't be that difficult. It's a matter of just getting a little experimentation to find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to uh, Joe's shop and pick up some of that stuff on the floor. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Just Jam wedge it, up it in under there. the slab and, and <laughs> you're good to go. You know, nice. one thing I, I thought of is that as I'm sitting here right behind me, my wife has like one of those big, thick pieces of uh, foam that you might use like when you're like doing some reupholstery or something. I almost thought about just set that right down in there. And if anything, that's going to kind of support it just enough that you could easily either add more wedges to it or who knows, maybe it's thick enough that you could actually lock into position to help you get at least started on what you want to do with it. Nice. Here, I thought you were going to suggest the cat. Uh, Well, I do have some other suggestions for the cat, but I can't talk about those here on the show right now. (laughs) Hold still, Hamlet. Hold this board. That would would work, but you need two. You got to have one on each side. So go get another cat. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I guess that's about it. Uh, We're going to get you out of here on time, Shannon. There you go. Hey, look at that. All right. Uh, you can support us if you want to. You don't have to, but you can. There's a couple different ways. You probably ways. should, though. Definitely. You can, well, because otherwise the show just may dry up, wither, and fall off the tree. Or I'm just going to start chortling way more than you can handle. And nobody wants that. Uh, all right. Well, you can give us a recurring donation. You could sign up for that at woodtalkshow.com if you'd like to do that. Also, Woodtalk t-shirts are available at twwstore.com. And those are awesome. In fact, I wore mine this weekend. Uh, I, for, I wore it on a day that I wasn't teaching, which means I actually had more pictures taken on the other days. So I, <laughs> right. I don't, I don't really have any photos with me wearing the shirt. So I, I wore it. I just wore it on the wrong day. Sorry. Right. Uh, I was really shocked that I saw you wearing. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is that photoshopped? I did it for you guys, uh, frankly, because I knew you would really <laughs> bust my, you know what's if I didn't. So uh, you can also leave us an iTunes review, which we always appreciate. Just go to the iTunes store, click on uh, find our show, click on ratings and reviews, and if you can, click that five star rating, like Jason CNG and Dan 
Dan Cigar Man, I guess is what he wants to be called. Yeah, uh, that works. Yeah, he had this like to that. say. Actually, it's a much longer review, but he's uh, very, very nice about it. He says, I recently started a longer commute to work, and Mark, Matt, and Shannon have made this time pass with much enjoyment. Uh, maybe it's just the, the gas is evaporating from my last project's finish, but you guys have something really awesome going on here at Wood Talk. I say I say all that to say that on your on your own, each of you are awesome. Uh, together, you make a powerhouse of a team that I haven't found on other podcasts. I enjoy the show, and it's starting to feel a little bit less of a solitary hobby. Thank you guys for what you do. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, Dan Cigarman. Dan Cigarman. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, that's funny, because that's uh, really in the beginning, that's kind of what it was, you know, realizing we're all alone in our shops like this. And unless you go to local guilds, which, you know, aren't the meetings aren't <laughs> quite that fun. Um, which don't exist in my neighborhood. Or, so. or they don't exist. Yeah. Uh, it's a very solitary task. And it was like, well, other communities are building up online. Why can't we have a big woodworking community? And, you know. Ten years later, here we are. It's pretty awesome. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's about it, Matt. How about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? Maybe some of that great feedback that we've been getting a lot lately. You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. You know what? I don't think I mention this very often, but just in case, just want to let you know that we also have our own individual sites. So Mark's over at thewoodwhisperer.com. Shannon's over at renaissancewoodworker.com. And I'm over at some guy who probably should stop chortling.com. Uh, so don't forget, <laughs> also, you can check out the forums at woodtalkonline.com. Actually, I'm at Matt's Basement Workshop, but I should really now get that URL. You should. That's you uh, should. in high demand, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. All right. See you. See you later. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.